but he was convicted of drunk driving four times um, and then some other legal things that I won't uh, bore you with. But uh, right. uh, And he's asking, you know, would he be a good candidate for a pilot? Um, if you've got that extensive of a legal record, it's probably not a good career path for you. Right. I would so, say that's probably three too many. And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Pro Pilot Playbook. I'm Mike Martin. And I'm Sean Ritchie. And we're here today to help you, as we always do, for the tips, tricks, and hacks to become an airline pilot faster and cheaper. And uh, we got a good tagline for this uh, podcast today. Uh, go ahead and tell everybody, Sean. I'm yeah, sure they- yeah. Well, I'm sure you just read it, but I don't know. We love it for some reason. You should not be a pilot is what we call this one. And basically, <laughs> this is a collaboration of uh, some legitimate reasons we came up with that would probably either keep somebody from getting their dreams or maybe we you know, talk you out of even chasing those dreams. But then there's other reasons people come up with for not being a pilot that are not so legitimate. And uh, we're going to talk about some of that too. Yeah. So what sparked this is, uh, and we love this, and I know in no way don't want to discourage anyone from sending us an email or commenting our YouTube video. Right, right. Uh, but we'll just the, leave the, the name off this one. Yeah. So the channel has <laughs> exploded, uh, as we've mentioned in the last couple. Our, we've doubled in subscribers, maybe tripled, and uh, our views are way up. I mean, some of our videos have 40,000 views. So we're getting, not, I don't want to say inundated because we do look at them all, but we're getting tons and tons of comments on YouTube, direct messages, and emails. Uh, emails are good, too, um, uh, from all different types of people with all different kind of questions. But there are some funny ones. A lot of them, uh, a lot of them, the inspiration for for this video came from some of the uh, inquiries we get from our uh, DUI video that uh, we we had. Yeah. Um, we get some really really uh, extreme emails. <laughs> yeah, that was way uh, and, back. That episode was in the. Uh, it's one of the first few videos we shot, I think. Yes, yes, because that is a big question: Can you have a right. DUI and be a pilot? And it's a huge problem. But yes, you can do it. That is totally true. But man, some of these, uh, like I've got one here and I'm not going to read the person's name, but it it says, uh, you know, he's got uh, four consecutive DUIs. Of course, some of them were not legit in his mind, but he was convicted of drunk driving four times um, and then some other legal things that I won't uh, bore you with. But uh, right. uh, and he's asking, you know, would he be a good candidate for a pilot? Um, if you've got that extensive of a legal record, it's probably not a good career path for you. Right. I would so, say that's probably three too many. And uh, <laughs> yeah. any any is too many, really, in my book. But yeah, you can, there's ways to, you know, still get hired with one. And we go into that in that video, just like Mike said. But yeah, the legal thing, right. there's a few legal items that are probably going to keep you from being a pilot. However, right now, the pilot shortage you know, it's, we're in uncharted water for sure. I've, I've never seen what's going on like this before Crazy. Right now yeah. in my career ever, nor have I ever heard anybody tell any stories. The older guys tell me any stories about what's going happening right now. But um, like any type of felony, I mean, just keep on the legal stuff. Uh, yes. The DUI thing, they obviously, I mean, you can put two and two together. If you're the type of person who has no regard uh, to go out and operate a machine 
around other people at, you know, high speeds, you know, in, inebriated or whatever in some way. Uh, why would they? It doesn't look you? good. Right. Why do they want you in there flying their jet filled with 200 people sitting behind you? Right. Um, yeah. it, the felony stuff, that's a big one. I've never seen an application that doesn't ask that question. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had a student um, early on. Um, he uh, he started flying as a young guy, great guy, but he um, he he got into his flight training. And when he filled out his medical application for his pilot medical, there's a question on there. Have you ever been convicted of a felony? Um, and he clicked no, but he actually had one. And then he's like, oh, they'll never find it. Right. And then uh, what, ended, what ended up happening is he spent a lot of money and then he got uh, he got into his flight training, you know, and then it, it, they sent him a letter and he brought it in and they sent a big summary of his conviction. And then they sent his form where he, you know, encircled where he lied. And then he had uh, to go to this meeting to explain himself and, Long story short, I he I never saw him again. Kind of after that. No, you can't you can't lie on any of this stuff. You can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, we're living in the world of computers. I mean, I could, you could just. This was get, twenty years ago too. Right. Oh yeah. No. Now it's even worse. I mean, I can right. get online right now, and in five minutes, and for nine ninety five, with right. anybody's name, I can see any every address you've ever lived at. I can see your phone number. I, I can see your date of birth. I can see. I mean jobs you've worked at i mean this is just the common guy doing a doing a background search on one of these internet sites i mean yes in these these airlines aren't doing that they right. pay high-end companies to contact municipalities and pull records and there's certain things that go to a federal level certain things are just i don't know it, you're not fooling anybody except for yourself if you think you're going to get away with that yeah yeah no you're right um, and so not to get too in the weeds to this legal stuff. I mean, it's pretty much common sense um, uh, when you're when you're thinking about this. But once we we were thinking of videos to do, we're like, this would be a fun one because our whole um, MO here with the ProPilot playbook is to encourage people to get into flying and then to really make the general public aware of how easy it really is and how fun it really is. Um, so for the majority of people with average intelligence and a not much of a criminal record, it's it's it, which is 99 percent of the population. It's really no issue at all. But there are some things and then we'll get into some little things that if you, you know, you, you may be qualified and you may have the money and all that. But once you get the job, you may not like it. And we thought it'd be fun to kind of run down a couple of those things that we've seen in our career, uh, either students or pilots that that have not made it or changed careers or anything like that. Um, and right. I want to start. Yeah, yeah. And I want to start by saying, you know, very few people that we see that get involved in this quit. Most people really do like it. And uh, and right. wouldn't you say, I mean, absolutely. Uh, one of those things right. I, I just as you were talking, we were we were before we started recording we were having a conversation about guys as we were coming up you know guys we were flying with that didn't make it you know yeah. some of their reasons and um i remember this guy i and we did write down one of our things was attention to detail if you're not somebody who's into attention to detail to yeah. things 
this may not be a great career field for you. Now, that's something you could teach yourself, possibly. That's not like having a DUI that you can't just erase. Um, but I remember this guy flying freight with, and he always flew barefoot. And he <laughs> he would fly, even his check ride, he would take his shoes off to, to fly his check ride. The examiner got on him one day, or like, you know, like, why do you have your shoes off? And he's like, well, because my feet sweat. You know, that was just whatever. I don't know if this guy's going to, you know, the. I don't know if that falls under attention to detail. But, I mean, this is probably the same kind of guy who would, you know, never be caught dead wearing a collared shirt or yes. that kind of thing. You know, th there are there are certain things that are expected of your your hygiene and just your yeah, you know, yeah, right. looking like a normal human being right. in front of the 200 people that are getting on your vessel sitting behind you. So or the or the multi multi-millionaire that you're flying. Right, in our case, yes, the limo in the sky, you know. Right. He, he does not want to hire a goober to fly his airplane. <laughs> right. So so I guess I don't know. Uh, attention to detail, don't be a goober. I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but that that could be some but that's something you could train yourself out of, you know. Yeah, yeah. I would say 90% of the people that I saw that started on a career path and and, and quit, it was financial, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. always the number one reason. And this yeah. is a widely known stat. I mean, you could google it right now while you're watching this and number one reason people quit flight trip, money. Right. And, uh, right. That makes sense. You know, money is the answer to nine out of 10 questions. But yeah. uh, I personally, it is it is expensive. No, make no uh, mistake about it. This right. is one of the most expensive things you can do. However, it is a little cheaper in the fact that uh, it's changed here lately that you don't need right. a degree anymore. Uh, when So all, that money is going completely to flight training. And there's still financing options out there. There's ways to find money to do this. Uh, and But it used to be even more. When Mike and I came up, you know, we both we both had to have four-year degrees plus all the flight training. So you could look at it as it's getting a little cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing to touch on the work hours. Now, we're always talking about, you know, pilots have all this off time, which they do. And, you know, your neighbors think you're unemployed and all that stuff. But um, a lot of times when we do work, we do work uh, really strange hours. And and it's not like working the night shift where you can adjust your body to the sleeping. Um, um, you know, uh, just a common, just a very common thing that corporate pilots do is uh, the customer will have an 8 a.m. meeting in New York. And one of the benefits of owning your own jet is that you don't have to stay in a hotel that night. So they know the flight from, you know, wherever you're at in our case cincinnati to new york is you know an hour and a half so if, as long as their wheels up at you know 6 a.m uh and it takes a half hour to get downtown or whatever that might be a little close but whatever they can make their meeting so for the past year it's not that bad they just had to be at the airport at six there's no security and away they go now if you're the pilot though you know you got to be at the airport at least an hour prior to when the pastures want to leave Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're, you're, then that means you have to be at the airport at 4.30 or 5 
right? Uh, and this, probably four thirty, really, to make this whole thing work that I'm talking about. So you know, the you know, you got to drive to the airport, so that's you got to leave your house at four, so now you're getting up at three thirty in the morning. Um, and you know, it sounds funny, but the majority of the population, I mean, you ask them when the last time you got up at three thirty in the morning, and they say, well, maybe I went fishing one time in 1984 and I got up there. I mean, it's not a normal right. get up at three 30 in the morning. And you know, it, it, it's hard when you, um, uh, you know, you're on a normal sleep pattern. Well, people say, well, if I got to get up at three 30, I'll just go to bed at eight. Well, if you're used to going to bed at 11 or 12, you ain't going to go to bed at eight, you know, on the yeah. first time. So yeah, Sean's done yeah. some of that. night Preaching work. to the choir. Yeah. I, yeah. that is one thing. However, there is a little caveat as it a corporate, we are right. constantly bouncing around different, especially as a corporate operator. The airlines, all that stuff's a little more regimented out. There's regulation around how many hours you can work in a day, how many hours you can or fly a day, how many hours right. you can on duty a day, and then how much rest you need uh, in between those periods. And if you go over a little bit because something got delayed, now you get what they call compensatory rest. So you get even more time before you got to fly. Right. All that stuff's super regulated. Like right. in and out, up and down, all over. And Mike and I's world, the Part 91 world, none of that stuff exists. No, none of those regulations exist. There are guidelines that folks are expected to handle, but it it has happened before where you just have to make stuff work and you're coming off of that 3.30 a.m. wake up and uh, you, know, you sat around all day and maybe you got a nap somewhere and you don't get right. it until... You don't get home till 11 o'clock that night. That stuff does happen. You just got to make it work. Um, however, that whole time in between, after we land at New York, uh, that whole day's yours. You want to go tour the city? You want to hit the gym? Right. You know, it, what? I mean, that's just your time. You're not really doing no, it. This video is about the bad stuff. You're yeah, thinking. yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, so so if well the other part of that though you know you're hitting on the schedule stuff right you know there was i was just talking about uh you know when i was at flight safety which is one of the places mike and i go fly the simulator you know every year or so to get recertified those instructors are usually guys that have lost their medical or they yeah. can't be out there flying for some reason but they still love aviation so they need that that more of that you know eight to eight to 5 p.m. type of job. And uh, this guy had, his wife had some serious medical issues. He was at the airlines and he needed to be home taking care of her. So he left his airline job and started working for flight safety so he can be home every night. So that would be another one. If you know, yeah. wouldn't want to be a pilot. If, if for some reason you're that type of person who has to be home every night. Right. May not right. be good for you. And those jobs do exist in aviation, absolutely. But uh, yeah. I wouldn't go into this thinking you're going to, you know, find one like super easy, like they grow on trees everywhere. Um, most yeah. of these, yeah, there's going to be overnights involved, hotels. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got a funny story about that. So, um, yeah, if you if you do, I have seen this um, um, where. Um, how do I say this? Uh, pilots will have a, a very controlling significant other, you know, and that can be an issue. Um, they're calling every minute wanting to know what they're doing because oh, you yeah. know, they're not at home and, and those type of things. And, you know, that can get you in trouble. But uh, one of the first flying jobs, we had this old cantankerous boss and uh, uh, he, we were having some issues with a pilot and uh, 
his wife was was uh, was causing problems. And uh, I won't go into any details because somebody may watch this and that. But I remember <laughs> his famous quote. And I mean, this guy was old. And he's like, what you got to remember is your wife can't get you a job, but she sure can help you lose it. Woo! Yeah, man, that is good. That is absolutely true. Yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, uh, I have seen too a lot of guys uh, or gals. These jobs will make you relocate to another city, and you think it's great. You're like, "Oh, look at me! I can move over here and fly a Gulfstream and make all this money into this city." And then you relocate your family, and then there's all kind of problems with that. You know, so um, yep. it might be great for you, but it might not be great for your family. Um, and, and you know, Sean and I have managed to have our entire career in Cincinnati, but I would say we're a little on the rare side. I'm not saying you can't do that. And it depends on the city that you grew up with. But oftentimes you may have to move to either improve your job as a corporate pilot or improve your quality of life as an airline pilot because of the commuting thing. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, Cincinnati's kind of. I mean, we've got a ton of, you know, heavy hitters here in the corporate world. Right. Um, but, and it's also centrally located. At one point in time, this was Delta's second largest hub. So it was easy to commute. Um, you know, when I was doing the airline stuff, I was still living here, but commuting in and out. But yeah, if you're somebody that has to be a homebody, this may not be a career field for you. Right. Um, right. While we're talking about the negative stuff. Um. Oh, uh, we missed, you know, the other thing, if going on the complete probably shouldn't do it thing here, uh, just like we were mentioning the legal stuff, and this is something in our program we talk about making sure, and I'm talking about medical here, any kind of medical history, uh, if you got something going on with yourself, that, that's why in the program we tell folks to go get that medical early. and. Yeah get checked out by the flight doc, make sure something isn't going to come out of the woodwork. It's going to keep you from being a professional pilot. And there's different degrees of this. It may not keep you from being a pilot, but it may keep you from being able to get a uh, class one physical and which is what you yep. need to be an airline pilot. Um, there is that. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing, that's another reason why like, uh, you know, on our, our question last week, Zach was saying he was going to ATP. ATP requires that you show up with at least a private pilot's license. You know, that's one of the reasons. They want to make sure they're not going to get you all wrapped up into this big loan and going through all this training and then you can't pass a medical or right. uh, maybe you just can't, you don't work well and you don't, can't do the cockpit well, whatever. You just, you're not a good pilot for some reason, whatever. They want to make sure you have that first certificate before you show up to work with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I've had, I was just thinking back on my students. So very few of them that weren't financial didn't make it. Um, but, but um, there was one guy um, and this is a rarity because it's, it's really not scary, but I mean, he was just so cautious. I mean, everything made him just overly nervous. It was like, man, mm. I don't know if you should be doing this, you know, like, yeah, is the wing going to fall off and all, you know, he was just very, uh, he didn't, he didn't like flying at night, you know, that scared him. He had just a lot of anxiety, um, um, just towards the danger of, of actually falling out of the sky and, and things like that. I feel like a lot of that gets weeded out though, because people sure. take an introductory flights or something. But if you have a, a true feel of fear of flying, you shouldn't, 
be a pilot. Yeah, obviously. yeah. No, uh, you you got to know your limitations. Yes, <laughs> that's that's yeah. an important part of just being a human on planet Earth. Know yes. your limitations. Totally. And, uh, you know, and I would say I go, I, I have Mike, I know you've heard me say this before, but I got a little quote that I say, and I don't know, it's come up in interviews before I'll lay it out. I, and it's, it's my, this is Sean Ritchie original. My, my one thing that I think is the biggest factor in figuring out whether you're a good pilot or a bad pilot. And that is the ability to determine what's important from what's not important. If you're good at doing that, you'll probably be a good pilot. And that guy that you were just describing, that sounds like he's so overwhelmed with silly stuff that don't even matter. He's not ever going to be able to distinguish what's important from what's not important because he's worried about a wing falling off when he's got a light blinking at him up here. Yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right. That's great advice. Actually, I should write that down, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're right. No, yeah, yeah. When you when you think about when you're flying on, you know, you're flying in a jet, you're going 400 and something you know, 500 miles per hour over the ground in this super scary environment where nobody can breathe and it's negative 40 outside. Um, when you think about the things that could actually go wrong, I mean, all the way down to the, you know, mechanic had a bad day and he serviced something wrong and the bolt fell off and then the hydraulics literally down. You have to make a, I mean, there's literally like a million things. It would overwhelm sure. you, you know what right. I mean? Um, yeah. Um, so you have to be able to sift through that and and deal with things in a logical manner and this student he couldn't do it so that's that's very good advice I have well, not one. only that i mean while we're talking about it the other thing that happens when something breaks in one of these machines uh when the first thing breaks it usually starts a chain reaction of other things that fall apart because that one thing broke so when you're when you're looking at your enunciator panel or your cast screen showing you what's broken in the airplane yes you know it, after that first thing breaks, you may have eight other items there and you need to be able to look at it and say, all right, well, obviously I'm assuming this thing busted and caused all the rest of this to happen because they're related systems. I, blah, 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 yeah. blah. But there's so many stories in aviation history of guys chasing down the wrong problem when all they had to do was like, you know, flip this switch and pull this lever and they fixed the whole thing. But nope, they were chasing the wrong thing and they, you know, ended up a smoking hole. Right. And I, I don't know if you have had this, Sean, but I, I think I can only remember one student and really with some additional training, he did fine, but, um, you know, just really bad hand-eye coordination and, and mm -hmm. just really just very robotic on his movements and things. And, and, and I, I was thinking, man, maybe this isn't for this guy, but he required a lot of extra training and he got through it. But have you had anybody like that? Where yeah, actually, I told this story. This is one of my go-to stories with, and, you know, we were going to talk about this a little bit anyway, about people feeling discouraged with the training. It yeah. wasn't necessarily a money thing or whatever, but they just right. thought it was too hard. It was right. out of their scope of ability to do um, or maybe just they didn't like the flight school. Maybe the flight school people were kind of being buttheads to them or something or whatever, and they thought that right. was just aviation. But it, to answer your direct question, I had this guy. His name was Joe. He had been passed around, and I told this story like in one of the first episodes we recorded. Joe had been passed around to several of the instructors. Nobody could get him to solo, which mm. typically happens you know, anywhere from – I mean, average of probably 
10 hours to, I don't know, 18 hours, you're going to solo. But Joe had 60 some hours. I mean, most people get their license, their certificate by that point, and he still hadn't soloed. And he'd been through three or four instructors, and I was the new instructor there. And the the last guy just washed his hands and of him and gave him to me. And I flew around the pattern with him. That was the big goal, get Joe soloing. And everything, yeah. he could not land this airplane. The little Cessna, he either... He'd either think the runway was, I don't know, he was trying to flare way above the runway, and then the next time he would over, he would correct for this, and he would come in and smack it on the runway, and we'd bounce, and, you know, it was, I just, I'm like, right. what is this guy? So then I stopped trying to teach him, and I'm like, Joe, do it again, and I did nothing but sit there and watch his face and what his eyes were doing, and I realized there was a lot of squinting, there was a lot of looking down whatever you know when you're flying an airplane just like driving a car if you're staring like right in front of the vehicle you're not going to be able to do anything uh you know when you drive a car you need to let your eyes look as far down the road as possible and what anyway this guy's problem was he couldn't see he hadn't had his he hadn't had his prescription updated in years the guy just couldn't see so he was coming up with all these what would be the word for mnemonic or what all these like tactics to try to get himself to land this airplane right but anyway he went and got some new glasses we did one more flight and i signed him off to solo he was fine he couldn't see i don't even know how he drove to the airport (laughs) that's that's a great one man yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah check on your vision make sure all that's good you do have to pass an eye test, but, you know, he might have been just as good. You know, Who knows? Of, I mean, the student you know. pilot certificate. Oh, you're right. I class student three pilot. student. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, they probably figured if he drove to the, to the medical center, he was good, you know? Right. But right. on that note, you know, it could be that you're discouraged from flying because of differences with your instructor. You know, maybe... maybe Maybe you feel like this individual just isn't getting you or he's an old guy. You're a young guy or vice versa. You know, he's, he or she is probably not the only instructor at that school. You know, that is not a reason, not a reason to not become a pilot. Right. Even if it's the whole flight school, maybe the whole flight school is just crap. You know, their airplanes are always leaking stuff and they're dirty and they're smelly or you know, whatever. There are other flight schools. There are other flight instructors. This should not right. be the reason you quit, nor should you assume that uh, all flight schools are like that because they're not. Some of these totally. flight schools are flying brand new. They get leases from these manufacturers like Cessna and Piper, and they're flying brand new equipment with fancy screens that don't even have round gauges in them anymore. And I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. all kinds of stuff out there. Yeah, Totally. I think one other thing I, it comes to mind, um, I've flown with uh, people, you, you need to, you, first of all, you need to like to travel, and that's obvious, and we do, and Sean already touched in that. There are flying jobs where you don't travel much, you know, they're training and things like that, but for the majority of them, you do travel, um, and you need to be able to adapt and kind of go with the flow in travel, um, like, um I, I'm sure you've been on vacation with these people, but I have a family member who I'll remain nameless, but you know, whenever we go on vacation with them, they have a set schedule of exactly what we're doing. You know, uh, dinners at this time, I have this reservation, then we're going to wake up at this time and then do this. And then we have this plan. And then what happens on those vacations is 
it all goes to hell, man. Something oh, Jesus. Right. And, and what happens and to that person? Like, it makes all the plans, right? They lose oh, their yes. minds and they're frustrated. And Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this job is so fluid and there's there's constantly things changing, you know, delays, weather, uh, the pastors may change their mind, all this kind of stuff. You need to be a person that can handle those changes and not be extremely type A that it just ruins your life. You know, if the boss says you're going to San Diego uh, this weekend and then he changes it and then you're pissed or, or um, you know, whatever, you know, it's just all, or, you know, the hotel oversold and you got to move to a different one and now your night's ruined. I mean, it's just like you got to kind of just roll with the flow. Right. You, know? you cannot take those kind of things personal and you got to be dynamic with everything actually when you were saying that going on vacation yeah. thing it just reminded me of my neighbor <laughs> he just got back from he went his wife's like that his wife actually she's a consultant hired by you know big companies like some of the biggest we have in cincinnati to come in and she's just an idea girl she's hyper intelligent human being yeah yeah and yeah. Uh, they just did disney oh, disney God. world and yeah. several parks spent a lot of money on this her name's debbie and deb had this thing all mapped out down to the 30 minute window of what's where we're going where we're, what's happening and my, and my neighbor called it he had a name for this on day two he's like i don't know how much more i can take man i'm i'm back here day two debbie's disney death march <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. Yeah, yeah. Man. I've flown with those guys. They just can't take anything changing. And I'm like, man, that is the job. Like, you know, with the airlines, your whole job kind of does revolve around a schedule. We yeah. have this door closed by this time. We got to push the gate back by this time. The jet right, right. Meet, whatever. Yeah. That's the whole job, maintaining schedule. In our world, it's kind of the opposite of that. It's just maintaining our our people's happiness and where they want to go. And it doesn't even matter. You know, it's every other trip hey we're gonna be there a little later bill's wanting to do something for lunch and i guess we're waiting here so we'll see you at another hour you know that's all the time yep totally man so you got to be able to adapt i'm looking at my list here um the only other thing i think we were mentioning about talking about is yeah i think this is a good one is and i've had people ask this before and I've had, I was just in a conversation with a guy down at Lunkin, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. One, one of the line guys at uh, Lunkin Airport, Cincinnati here, just got a, um, he had an interview. I shouldn't say he's hired, but I would think he would get hired. And yeah. uh, to be a co-pilot in a beach jet was a big deal. He, he didn't even, he, he skipped flight instructing. He didn't have to be a flight instructor. Um, he's going right into the right seat of a beach jet. This is a huge thing. This would never happen when, yeah, Mike, yeah, when yeah. Mike and I were coming up. Um, but anyway, we, we got talking about flight training and what was hard, what wasn't hard. And I've heard this from several people over the years that uh, the instrument rating, once people get to that instrument rating, which is typically the second thing you do in your career, the ladder of training, you get your pi private pilot certificate, and then you start working on the instrument rating, which is the license that lets you fly the airplane without being able to see out the windows. You're just using instruments. And that transition is difficult for people. And right. people, you know, people start thinking it's too hard. I'm not good at this. Um, 
when I was when I was renewing all my CFI stuff for this to make this program, uh, I was down in Florida. I went to one of these hurry up, get them done uh, CFI recurrent things. And there was a girl there. She wanted to ride along. She was an instrument student. She was having real trouble with everything. And she was thinking about quitting. Yeah. You know, she was feeling like she just wasn't getting it. This isn't for her. She's she something wasn't clicking. And that's exactly what I told her. Something isn't clicking for you yet. Stick at it. This is the hardest it is. This is the hardest it gets. And uh, once you're through this instrument rating, it's a piece of cake. In, yeah, no, it definitely is the most difficult and most important too, because you know that's how you fly. Oh um, yeah, every day, every but, day. Yeah. But the day to day, especially in these new machines with all these screens and computers and yeah. the flight planning software we have, you know, when you're doing your instrument rating, everything's the long way. You know, right. it's, it's they're trying to make it as difficult as possible so you can see every scenario and whatever, really dive into every little aspect of what it means. But yep. in a professional pilot's day to day, it isn't like that. Yes. That's a great point. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I, I think we hit a lot of the good ones. Uh, please keep sending in our questions. We love it. Uh, just like I mentioned in some of the other videos, the, the channel's exploding, the course is exploding, uh, sales are way up. The uh, Please like and subscribe this video. We've got, we've doubled our subscribers in the last few months. It really helps us stay motivated to keep helping you people. I had uh, I had one of my, I don't want to say my first, because I've had others, but I was in an oh, FBI. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a celebrity sighting and, and, <laughs> and come up to me and say, hey, are you Mike from the Pro Pilot Play? Oh, great. So shout out to Noah. He was a great guy. He came up to me. He started his career. Uh, he was flying a jet, but he was in a Bonanza actually for his company. And I took a look at his plane and I, I took him out and showed him mine. And uh, yeah, if, if you guys are out and you run into us, certainly come up to yeah, us. Yeah, come up and it say, hey. Like we're famous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Mike's, Mike's definitely had this happen to him more than me. But, uh, it <laughs> has happened right a couple of times and it's, it's I, you know, whatever. It kind of takes you... But I don't know. It's cool. Plus, yeah, I'd love to run it into some of you guys that are watching this. And like Mike went out and showed you, showed this guy the Challenger. And yep. yeah, absolutely. Yep. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to, I think after rattling through all that, you know, the title of this is you should not be a pilot. I think we only ran into a couple things that you, I'm not going to change the title of the podcast, but I'm just going to say you should be a pilot. There's yeah. Yeah. Really way more uh the uh, you know pros to cons oh yeah yeah i mean 90 percent of 99 percent of the people watching this will have no issue at all but you know it was good to uncover some of the things that we've seen throughout our career which wasn't many on people that really weren't really suitable for the job so um i think most of our viewers uh probably have less than four duis uh reasonable intelligence can do basic math and uh yeah. wear their shoes uh in a right yeah keep your shoes <laughs> <laughs> so we should be good right all right well if you have a question that you would like us to answer here uh email us podcast at propilotplaybook.com and uh yeah we right. we get thanks for walking yep we'll see you guys mm -hmm.